Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can call you Father, that through the Son we have been adopted as your children. And Lord, we thank you that you're a God who speaks, that you speak to us by your word, if we would have ears to listen. So Lord, we pray that you would help me to be able to proclaim the truths contained in your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit may be moving amongst us this morning. And we pray that we would draw near to you as a result of gathering with your people. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, have you ever witnessed a miracle? Have you ever witnessed something that you would classify as a miracle? How do you react to claims of a miracle? Are you someone who loves miracles and so you have an automatic trajectory of belief when someone makes a claim that a miracle has occurred? Or are you more of a sceptic? And so whenever someone claims something miraculous has happened, you begin to doubt that that is true. I'm a sceptic in many regards, uh, two particular things. And even this week, I found myself being quite sceptical about something that I was witnessing. I've come across the magician who's apparently one of the most famous magicians alive, uh, David Blaine. I've only come across him in recent weeks. And he does some marvellous tricks um, and they have been recorded on uh, video and put up on the internet. And so I was watching a few of these on YouTube. And one of them I was watching and I just went, it can't be. It has to be staged. It is impossible that anyone could do what this magician was claiming to do. The people that he was interacting with, I went, there's no way that this magician doesn't know these guys and it's all a massive setup with a video camera there and they're just going through the role playing that he's organised. Are you a sceptic when it comes to such things? When you see something that is miraculous, do you automatically go to being doubtful about the claim that you're hearing? Well, today is Christmas Day and so a large portion of the population around the world stops on this day to consider a few miracles. And that's what, if we look at the Christmas message, it does contain events that we would classify as miraculous, things that are supernatural, things that we do not see in everyday life. And one miracle that is proclaimed in the Christmas message is, of course, the virgin birth. As we read the Bible and that we have before us, and we see the narrative there about Jesus' birth, we come quite, we're confronted quite early on with a miraculous claim. What is that miracle? Well, it's the fact that Jesus was born to a virgin. He was born to a woman who had never known a man. And that is not something that is a passing remark in just one of the records, but it's repeated several times within the birth narratives that we have about Jesus Christ. For example, if you look at Matthew's Gospel, which we just had read to us, Matthew's Gospel, which is found on page 955 of the Black Church Bibles, I encourage you to have that passage open this morning as we look at it together. Matthew chapter 1 and then verse 18. Verse 18, so that's little number 18 of Matthew's Gospel Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Before they knew one another, before they came together, 
He was, she was found to be pregnant. And then we see in verse 25 that it is emphasized again that Joseph was not the father of Jesus. It says in verse 25 of Matthew's gospel over the page, page 956, but he, that's Joseph, had no union with her, that's Mary, until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Once again, very clear, there were no relationships, no sexual relationship between Mary and Joseph before Jesus was born. And then if you flip over to Luke chapter 1, that other passage that we had read for us, Luke chapter 1, page 1013, page 1013, Luke chapter 1, verse, I'll read from verse 26. Verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, page 1012 is where little number 26 is. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. There in verse 27, you see again, word used in Greek is for a virgin, for a young woman who hasn't known a man. And we see even that in verse 34, Mary points out this fact to the angel that she's speaking to. In verse 34 it says, How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And literally in Greek it means since I have not known a man. How can this be? It's emphasised again and again, as we see in this, these two birth narratives about Jesus, that Jesus was born to a virgin. Now how did people react to this news? We have an account of two people and their reactions to this news. One is that when Mary found out the news, she acted with bewilderment, possibly even doubt that this could actually be the case. Where do we see that? Well, it's in that verse I just read for you, Luke chapter 1, verse 34. What does it say? How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She is puzzled by this news that the angel has given her that she will have a child when she knows she hasn't been married and hasn't had a sexual relationship with any man. She is puzzled. She may even doubt. She has unbelief there. She's not rebuked by the angel, so it's possible that she does believe but is quite puzzled about it because we see the angel himself rebukes John when he has doubt about his uh, no, Zechariah has, uh, in early in chapter 1, he has doubt that his wife will be pregnant even though she's older. But here we see at least Mary is bewildered by this fact. And what about Joseph? When he hears the news that his fiance is pregnant, does he react with automatic belief that this is true, that she is pregnant? From the Lord? No, if you flip back to Matthew chapter 1, turn back with me to Matthew chapter 1, page 955. What do we see Joseph doing? Well, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, we read, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Is that the action? of a believing man, a man who thinks that this is indeed from the Lord? No, it's not. He wants to divorce her. He does not recognise that this is from 
the Lord. So we see unbelief, we see doubt, we see bewilderment, puzzlement about this miracle that has come about, that Mary is with child, even though she is a virgin. And today we too can struggle with this news. We can struggle in a similar way to Mary and Joseph, with doubt and puzzlement and unbelief about what is proclaimed here from the Scriptures. And it's normal to behave in such a way. We're all sceptical in one sense. I'm sceptical of magicians, but I'm sceptical of many things because we hear marvellous reports about all kinds of things happening around us and we know that people are deceitful and they often like to prey on those who are gullible and so we've learnt early on in life that we need to be sceptical if we're not to be taken to the cleaners by people on a regular basis. I remember one event in my teenage years, I'm ashamed to say that it happened in teenage years that I didn't work it out earlier, is that I used to believe that WWF wrestling was real and not staged. It wasn't all actors up there on stage. And I was convinced, I'm talking like 15, 16 years of age, someone at work, that's the thing, I was at work, I was already working at Target at the time, had convinced me that it is real. And so I used to watch these wrestling matches and when Wrestlemania came along I checked the paper the next day because I didn't have pay-per-view and where are the results in the sports page because I never looked at the sports pages generally but I was interested in wrestling where is the result of Wrestlemania why is the world not interested in who won Wrestlemania and then I started to come to the realization that this is actually fake sorry if anybody is out there and they still believe that that kind of wrestling is real, it is fake. They're just marvellous actors, or some of you may say not so marvellous actors, but they convinced me that the wrestling that was happening on the screen was real. And so from that time on, I learned to not take everybody's word for something, that some people can lie to you with a straight face for many days, and what they're saying to you is not actually true. And so when we hear about the virgin birth, a part of us goes, yeah, right, as if that is actually true. And you may be someone who considers yourself to be a fairly good person, a righteous person in many regards, but when it comes to God's word and this truth that is proclaimed there, you struggle, you have doubts. And we see this in the text itself, that Mary was a girl who was considered to be highly favoured by the Lord and yet she struggled and Joseph it says in the text was a righteous man actually says he was righteous he was a good man and we see by his behaviour towards Mary he wanted to divorce her quietly he was a nice guy and yet when it came to something from the Lord a miracle of the Lord they didn't have automatic belief And so you may be here this morning and you consider yourself a fairly good person, but when it comes to the virgin birth, you say, look, I can't accept that. And I can't accept the teachings of the Bible then because of this. And I'm not a Christian because of parts of the Bible like this. I just can't accept them. I've learned to be sceptical. And so I can't accept this. Or maybe you're a Christian 
And when it comes to parts of the Bible like this, you say, look, I'm happy to accept the other things written there, but when it comes to the virgin birth, I have hesitancy about it, and to be honest, I don't actually believe it. And there are many Christians who actually say that, some of them who are expert theologians who people look up to. I was reading one commentary on this text this week uh, by a man called William Barclay, who was a minister and is quite popular in the Christian world. But when it comes, and he's very readable, I, uh, it's always interesting to see what sort of historical insights he gives, which is why I still read him. But when it comes to the miracles of God, he denies them. And so when he comes to a passage like this, he says, The virgin birth is a doctrine which presents us with many difficulties. And it is a doctrine which our church does not compel us to accept in the literal and the physical sense. This is one of the doctrines on which the church says that we have full liberty to come to our own belief and our own conclusion. This is a person who claims to be a Christian, claims to follow the teachings of the Bible, but when it comes to the virgin birth, says, look, let's agree to disagree that this is not literally and physically true. So how do you overcome such a doubt? Is it possible to overcome such a doubt about something like the virgin births, one of the miracles that we see proclaimed in the Christmas narrative? What can you do in the face of such doubt? Should you just reject the Bible, as some people have over the years? Or should you just say, look, let's not ask questions, let's just accept it, and when I have doubts, when I have questions, I just shut them out and don't question anything. Well, that's not a very good way to go about life. And it's the way, generally, that cults operate. Do not ask questions. Do not verify claims. Just accept what we tell you. What do you do in the face of such doubt about the miraculous claims, particularly with the virgin birth? Well, what changed the mind of Mary and Joseph? Did they remain sceptical about this? Or did something happen that changed their minds and brought them to a belief in the virgin birth? Something did. What changed their minds? Well, it was the word of God. When God spoke to them, they then believed. How did God speak to them? Well, one way that he spoke to them was by the angel that God sent to them. We see that in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 1, that Joseph, it says there in verse 19, was going to divorce Mary. But then we read in verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. An angel from God spoke the word of God to Joseph, and what did Joseph then do? Well, we read in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He became a believer in the virgin birth because of the word of God, because God had spoken to him. And we also see in Matthew's gospel there that a word of God 
from hundreds of years earlier also helped with believing the virgin birth was true. What is that? Well, it's there in verse 23. Verse 23 of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 1, page 956, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, and that's the prophet Isaiah. Verse 23, this is the prophecy of Isaiah. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This old, this ancient prophecy came to surface and people understood that God had actually spoken about this hundreds of years earlier through Isaiah. And that confirmed their belief in God's word that the virgin birth was a reality. And we also see in Luke chapter 1 that it's as Mary hears from the angel and he continues to speak to her God's word that she then believes and accepts it as true. If you look with me over in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, page 1013, she, in verse 34, says that statement that we've read before, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? And then what changes her mind? Well, the angel continues to talk to her. Verse 35 of Luke chapter 1, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And what did Mary say? How will this be? Did she say that again? No, she's heard the word of God. So what does she say? Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left. Pretty powerful statement for her to say, because just imagine the social repercussions in a very conservative tradition like the Jews had. And we saw her actions of Joseph. And she has said, okay, you've spoken to me. I believe it. I'm willing to accept the repercussions from my neighborhood about this virgin birth. I know that not everybody will believe it, but I believe it. And so I accept it. And I am your servant. And it's the same for us today. We have to understand that if we are to believe the virgin birth and the other miracles of God that God has done in this world, then it has to be by God's word. God's word is the way that our doubts can be conquered. But why should you trust the Bible? Why did Mary and Joseph trust God's word? Why would they trust the word that was proclaimed to them? Why do you trust this book that is before you? Well, my question is, why do you trust any of the books that you read? Particularly books that you read that tell you about historical events that can't be repeated. Many people reject Christianity because they say, I believe in science. Well, it depends what you mean by science. Science is generally about Events that can be repeated and observed and tested and tried. But when it comes to historical events, there are, there are things that happen once. And then we look at records about those events. And we have books about them, and some of those books we actually believe. Why do you believe, when you read a history book, that World War II took place if you weren't there? Or something even further back, let's say the French Revolution. Why do you believe that actually happened when you read it in a book? Well, the reason I believe some of the things that I read is because 
I trust the author. I look at who wrote the book and I put my trust in that author and so then I put my trust in what they have said. And then there's other books that I read that I don't trust because I know something of the author. And I go, "Mm, yeah, I'm not sure. We sometimes do this with certain newspapers. There's some papers that we trust and then there's others that we don't trust. The ones that have a particular bias that goes in our direction, we trust. And the newspapers that go in a direction that we do not like, that have a bias that we don't like, we don't trust. And when it comes to reading on the internet, there are many things written on the internet, and we read a lot of them. Some of them you trust. Why? Because you know the website and you know the author. Then there's other websites that you go, yeah, I'm not sure that's true. So why do we trust the Bible? Well, the question we have to ask is, who is the author of the Bible? Why did Mary and Joseph trust the words that they heard? Because they knew the origin of the words. What was the origin of the words? God. And God, the God of the Bible, is a God who is trustworthy because he is truthful, he is holy, he is just, he never lies, he never makes mistakes, he is all-powerful. He is what we call infallible and inerrant. He is not false and he does not make error. And so we can then trust his word. This is a wonderful truth of Christianity. God is not a dumb idol as many religions have that never speak and never act. You make them and then they sit. The God of Christianity is a God who acts in this world. And then he speaks about his actions so that we can know what he has done and why he has done those things. We're not called to blindly accept the virgin birth without any discussion of where the idea has come from. You're not called to believe in the virgin birth because someone told someone who 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 came down to you this and tells you about the virgin birth. Maybe me. You're not called to believe me because I'm teaching about the virgin birth this morning. You're not called to believe in it because of a case of Chinese whispers. No, the virgin birth is in the Bible, which is written by an all-knowing, all-powerful, holy, truthful God. And no book has been analysed in history to the same level of scrutiny that the scriptures have been. It's incredible the analysis that has been put upon this book. People again and again through history have invested huge amounts of time in analysing this book and even people from who are not believers trying to find errors and mistakes and contradictions in it. And what has happened again and again in history? People have believed it. People have found that the apparent errors are not actually errors. And when people say, I don't believe the Bible because it's full of errors, I say, well, show me one. Show me an error. Because I'm heavily invested in this book, and if it is it does have errors, then I need to know about them. But they never can. Why? Because it's written by an infallible and inerrant God, a God who doesn't make mistakes. And so it is worthy of our trust. And we have to remember that if you don't trust the Bible, 
then it's not like you're somehow objective and not trusting something else. There's no sitting on the fence when it comes to the Bible. Either you believe it or you don't believe it. And if you don't believe it, you're trusting something else. What is that that you may be trusting? Well, it's probably yourself. Your own self, and you're saying, I judge this to be incorrect. Now, that may sound like a good idea to you. I think I can go through life and I know what's right and what's wrong, and so the Bible is wrong. But why is that a problem? You make mistakes, and I'm sure you know it. And if you don't know it, just ask some people who are close to you to verify whether you are infallible and inerrant and never make mistakes. It starts very young that we can have this perception that we never make mistakes. I actually had a conversation with a child recently, and this child was saying that I was wrong about something. And I said, no, I'm right. child said, no, you're not. No, I'm right. No, you're not. And went back and forth. I said to this child, I said, look, do you ever, ever, ever make mistakes? Not about this. No, let's leave this to one side. Ever make mistakes? Looked out the window. Refused to acknowledge that they make mistakes. And that's our perception often about ourselves. We do not make mistakes. But if we're honest about ourselves, we know we make mistakes all the time. And so when you judge the Bible as wrong, as not true about something like the virgin birth, there's a very high probability you are wrong. And it is true. And one day you'll be held to account for your judgment with all your feeble knowledge that it is wrong. So why don't people trust the word of God if it is written by an inerrant and infallible God? Well, I think it's not about whether the Bible is true or not. I think it's just that people don't want to believe the Bible because they know if they believe the Bible, then they have a God who is all-knowing and watching them and they know they've made mistakes and they will be held to account for those mistakes. I have an atheist friend that I often get together and we have little chats about the Bible and we go back to and fro with philosophical discussions. And I said to him one day, I said, what would it take for you to become a Christian? He said, I'd need to see a miracle. I said, okay, what miracle would you need to see for you to become a Christian? And he said, well, hmm, hmm. And we're sitting at Circular Quay in one of the restaurants having a coffee there. And he said, and we looked out the window and he said, if that ferry rose in the air and then out of the loudspeaker it proclaimed a message from God so that in really, really loud volume, I'd believe. See, the thing is, though, I reckon if that happened, I don't think he would believe. I think he'd be off to a psychiatrist pretty quickly or off to get his head examined, get a CT scan of it and see if there's some whopping great tumour inside his head that brought him to see a ferry rise into the air and proclaim a message from God. Why would he do that? Because he doesn't want to believe. 
It's not about whether the Bible is true or not at the end of the day. He doesn't want to change his life. He doesn't want to submit to an almighty God. Because honestly, there are myriad reasons of why you should believe that the Bible is true and that the virgin birth is true. But I can't go into them all this morning because you do want to get out and enjoy your Christmas day. But if you want more reasons, I can give you many. You see me at the door afterwards of why this book is true. But if you don't believe in the virgin birth or that the Bible is true, that God exists, or many of the miracles that are proclaimed in the scriptures as happening in history, you have to ask yourself, I want you to ask yourself seriously, why? Is it because you're trusting in someone much wiser than God? Or is it because you don't want to believe? Because you do not want to change your life. You do not want to submit to an almighty God. I encourage you, if that's you, stop living in fairyland this Christmas and come to God. Acknowledge that the word that is before you is from him and put your feet, both feet, firmly on the only foundation upon which mankind can truly stand because it is the only foundation that does not come from infallible man but comes from an infallible God. Do it this Christmas. Stop living in fairyland and trusting in your own error-prone self. And if you're a child here this morning, this Christmas, I encourage you to do that too. Trust in Jesus. This is the wonderful thing about the message of the Bible. It is for all people. And adults, we have a lot to learn from children in the way that they can trust. See, the thing is, I did have my illustration about a child that refused to acknowledge error, but generally speaking, children know their limits and they trust their parents in a way that parents don't trust anyone anymore. They recognise that they can't do everything and they need help. And we as adults need to learn from children in that regard that we don't know everything and we do have limits and we need help. And so the message of Christianity is for children, for teenagers... For adults, because we're required to recognise our limits and to trust in the God who made us and never makes mistakes. And if you are a Christian, when you have doubts, I encourage you keep looking to the word of God, which comes from God himself. And realise what is at stake when you deny one part of scripture and try and keep the rest which is what our commentator William Barclay was trying to do. I accept many things of scriptures teach, but when it comes to the virgin birth, we can't take this literally in reality. We have to be very careful here. That's a dangerous game to play as a Christian. When you take out one doctrine, it's like taking out a book from a stack of books. I used to be much more... Um, untidy with my library. I have a significant library and I used to have stacks of books and then you want one from the bottom of the stack and it's a real pain. Why? Because as soon as you pull out one book, all the rest fall over. And that's what you do when you come to the Bible and you say, I'm going to accept this but not that. I'm going to accept that but not this. As soon as you start to do that, 
your hermeneutic, the way you're reading the Bible, is going to lead you to deny everything one day if you don't watch out because you have become the judge of what's true in the Bible rather than the Bible judging you. And so when you have a doubt about things that the Scriptures proclaim, keep looking to the Word of God. What did Joseph and Mary have that convinced them that the virgin birth was true? The Word of God. And we have it today as well. The Bible is all-sufficient for you to conquer the doubts that you have. So this Christmas, when you may be feeling a little embarrassed to affirm the virgin birth, don't be ashamed. Know that it comes from a true word of God. And don't be ashamed to proclaim the other truths that come from Christianity that are miraculous as well. Because if you deny the virgin birth, then you may end up denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus that paid for our sins. Because this is what Christmas is all about, ultimately. It's about the fact that God himself came into the world to grow up and die a death that we deserve so that we can be forgiven of our sins, which is so marvellous. And I don't understand why non-Christians don't want that. Because ultimately the Bible's message at this stage is not a message of judgment to you, It's a message of peace. The message of judgment will come one day when Jesus returns. At the moment, it's a message of peace, an offering of peace, that if you come to him, you can be saved from your sins. And so I encourage you this Christmas day, don't be ashamed of what the Bible teaches, but rejoice in it and proclaim it and honour God who so marvellously took on flesh and dwelt amongst us so that we could be saved. Let's come to our God in prayer. Let's speak to him. Heavenly Father, it is so marvellous to have your word, all of it, and to know what you have proclaimed about your actions in history. Lord, we pray that you would help us to overcome our doubts and unbelief by your Holy Spirit as we hear your word. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would show much mercy to us as we struggle with scepticism. And Lord, we pray that we may put our two feet firmly upon the word and then know that we have a sure hope that we are looking forward to eternal life with you in heaven. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.